when I was um, the story I was going to tell you that I'm saving for this show now is that when I was in like a freshman in when high school, I was a young lad. Maybe it was even before. Maybe I was only like 13 or something. I entered a contest on the that was done by the MTV. Mm-hmm. Um, that the was music the, television. Yes, it was called the Seven Up and Out contest. Something mm. about Seven Up, and I, I won. Like I got like I won the Seven Up and Out contest, and as part of that, they shipped me a package that contained a uh, a fleece vest. That was like a seven up fleece vest, which mm-hmm. is pretty sporting in 1995 or 96 or whatever. I was going to say seven up is a very 1990s kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. The 1990s like, were truly the decade of seven up. It was like 96 to 97. This is before Big Sprite. And <laughs> the- we don't talk about Big Sprite. <laughs> and, and on the in the box was also a compact disc. Mm. Which was an audio medium of the time, the interesting audio medium. And on that compact disc, that compact disc was Jock Jams. Uh, okay, was the name of it. It was like I don't know if it was Jock Jams Volume One or Volume Two. I feel um, like I've heard of that, but I never realized it was an actual thing. Yeah, no, they um, Jock, Jick Jams, Jock Sports Anthem Anthem Music album. <laughs> that's huh. a genre evidently um, so so this well, is like uh this is kind of like a um now that's what i call music but this was before probably oh um, yeah 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 i think this is before those yeah um and one of them well now i'm trying to see which one it was but one of the, anyhow the jock jam that i got as part of this was uh contained the song pony by genuine Mm. <laughs> and like i like the first time it was the first time i heard this song and it just changed my life for the better like <laughs> it was like it's it was almost like one of those like lsd experiences where it's like after you listen to it i'm just like we're all connected man <laughs> <laughs> and that is just, just like a huge spiritual experience for me hearing uh pony and just like a song where the main musical component was like a burp (laughs) and and panting (laughs) i don't know i just wanted to bring up i feel it's important to bring up for the show well on the subject of compilation albums uh it turns out that now that's what i call music 69 was released february 1st of this year we did it nice yeah what are you turning into some kind of feminist? Yeah, it seems like they release them every it's like February, May, August, October. Literally? They're just they, just they crank these things out. My goodness. They just mm-hmm. keep <laughs> Who's who buys these? That's what I want to cuz it's like these the only reason these exist is for physical media cuz there's no reason to have them like cuz you can make a playlist on spotify there's like a very specific um person or people that i have in mind that i know buy these kinds of things and are they they, like in the bargain bin for four bucks or something uh, they're i would say they are poor whites Uh, are the (laughs) people that's like the the class Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
Yeah, they still use CDs. They still buy. They still buy DVDs. Right. Well, because your '96 Civic it only has a CD player. Right. Right. And they have mixed CDs. This. The people I'm thinking of, this is one of the worst things is they would like ask me because they knew I had access to all the music mm. um, and they knew I had friends with eye patches. You know what I'm saying? Right. If you, if you know what I'm saying. Knowledge. And I mm-hmm. would get music, any, any song they wanted. So like I'd make them mix, I'd make them mix CDs because I was uh, a mensch. I've been waiting for this. And they, they would like, uh, what annoyed me is I would introduce them to music. And then mm-hmm. they would take my mix CD and take songs off of it and put it on their own mix CDs. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's like a remixed CD. And then like they would, th- they, that song would come on and be like, Oh, I love this song. And they're like, they're like, Oh yeah, I got it from uh, Marie. And I'm like, you didn't get it from Marie. I gave you this. Song. They're like, no, I'm pretty sure. I got listen, it. listen, <laughs> Listen, nope. <laughs> I was the one who illegally downloaded that Put song and that gave it coffee to me. down. <laughs> it's just no, like, oh God, <laughs> it was so <laughs> upsetting to me. Like, I want attribution. Like, come on, yeah, yeah. I don't know why I cared so much, but I really did. Like, if when that's your thing that you do, when you're the mixtape guy, and you're like a, <laughs> that's like all you have. That's like the only, right? You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Got the horses in the back. <laughs> that's is that on now that's what I call music? Oh, I bet it will be. If it's not already. I don't know how you go about licensing that. SoundCloud <laughs> song? Yeah. I don't know. I guess he's probably is he rep yeah, he must be represented now. Sure. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I think he already was. I don't know. I don't know what this that story was. I've heard all kinds. He, he's like a. I love how we've circled around back to the time before we had like the the maximum information availability of the internet to where like now there's so much information that we're we're all the way back in the beginning of the loop where it was back when we, like everything was a urban legend. Like that's how mm-hmm. we knew things. Right. And like, who knows if it was true? Mm-hmm. You mix pop rocks and Coke and you'll die. Like that was just accepted fact. You had I do no want to say to look it up. I do want to say um, Lil Nas X's mixtape, which was released in July of last year, is entitled Nazarati. And I just want to say. Great one. I like yeah. that. It's a bell for me, too. Yeah, that's good. Speaking of bells. Bells. Uh, <laughs> yes how how's your couch life i was i'm uh, really concerned about this we're yeah, gonna so we're gonna I talk think, about this on every show i think all life. the way back in episode one mm-hmm. way back you know it's been since episode one yep um when i placed the order for the couch so if you're counting that was a little over two months ago and last weekend it finally arrived wow and it's great wow I mean, it's not, it's a couch, right? I mean, it's good, right? Like, I, I don't know. I have to say, I saw, like, I, I think I saw a picture of the couch. Mm-hmm. And I had been thinking about this. I'd spent so much time <laughs> in my life. <laughs> you have built this couch up in your head. <laughs> yeah. But like, 
anything would be disappointing, but it was like particularly disappointing because it's just like a very square, <laughs> small, gray couch. Yep. It's a couch. It's like it's, it's comfy. Like, it's, it's comfier kinda, than my old couch. It looks very comfortable. It looks, yeah. you know, you can tell when the pads of the couch still have like a rigid form. So, yeah. you know, like it's really gonna it's feel nice. It's not just like completely falling mm-hmm. apart. Mm-hmm. You can tell, you can tell a new couch. Mold. Listen, yeah. I bet if we did a couch lineup, <laughs> We could both tell a new couch from an old couch. I'm I'm sure, yeah. But um it's now it's now loaded for bear with pillows as well, which is great. Yes. Oh. So it's just yeah. you're a big pillow guy. I am. Well, because you need pillows to be able to like take a nap on it, you know. Because mm. the armrests aren't padded enough for that. You'd hurt your neck. Oh, speaking of neck, I, I upgraded to um buckwheat neck pillows like yeah. a, it's like a little small pillow just to go between my shoulders and my head you know right there in the crook of my hmm. neck right <sighs> boy this is the new pillow workflow bruh it's so good <laughs> so good boy <laughs> it's like why why haven't i done this for my whole life like Mm-hmm. It's cha- it's changed my game. I still have to wait. Like I'm pretty sure I have sleep apnea, and it's ruining my life. And mm-hmm. I have to wait. This th- the thing is, I have to wait like a month to take the sleep apnea test to prove like what I already know. Just give me the yeah, machine, and just to get them to prescribe you the CPAP machine. Yeah, yeah. And what they're gonna do is they're gonna strap on a Fitbit on me. You know what I mean? And then say go right. home and sleep. And I have an Apple Watch with like three months of sleep data. Yeah. It's like super like, advanced. Look, I don't data. listen. It's clear to me. <laughs> yeah. Knowledge. I understand what's going on. Just give me the, give me the Darth Vader mask. So that I can <laughs> finally sleep. Okay. I just want to sit there and. No one cared who I was till I put on the mask. <laughs> My answer is something called science. <laughs> <laughs> I just Anyhow. you're gonna be with your your CPAP machine and like someone walks in your bedroom you're gonna be like so you're coming to disturb me in the middle of the night <laughs> oh you've come you've come to the insomnia I was born in it yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah I really want it and I you have to merely adopted the poor sleep quality <laughs> that's the that's how that's the phrase see i ruin these things unless i like i can't remember this stuff it, it's like all generalities like this is why this is why i had to be an english major because like i couldn't mm. handle specifics like i could handle like a crap ton of generalities but Dios mio, man. the important way to make sure you get your references right is just have clips of them ah huh, that works Got I've also, the horses gotten, in the bag. <laughs> Horse tech is attached. I've we've gotten so many positive uh, text messages and emails and Twitter messages, Snapchats, Instagram, TikToks, messages, TikToks, uh, Venmos, Venmos, Square Cash, uh, of people just saying they love the soundboard. And yeah. Please don't ever give up on the soundboard. We, we've so, literally never received a single negative comment about the soundboard. Yeah. So. <laughs> so we're net. We're, 
<laughs> We've heard you. We're not going to stop. Never can't can't stop. Yeah. Hey, some Bernie Sanders. This is this is uh something I noticed. I, what, what, why don't I have a Bernie sound clip? Oh, you know what? We, yeah. Why don't we have any? Also, why have we not done any segments? Let's do. <laughs> I mean, there we this go. Now we're in just the show. been like we've burned through like ten different topics, and that was all one segment. That was oh, like a, okay. that was like a sandwich, like a you know, like a big deli sandwich with like layers of different kinds of meats, and mm-hmm. that was a big segment. Bernie Sanders has been collecting. I've noticed something. I noticed like his staffing and we're his supporters. We're spending two hundred and seventy billion dollars <laughs> a year on the military. Oh. Okay, whoa. Thank you for okay, but here's, here's the thing. Important. I'm sorry. This yeah. is what I'm thinking about Bernie Sanders because because like uh the big challenge to the Medicare for all stuff, you know, people are saying mm. like well, you can't you can't do a system like national healthcare system because then then you start running into um huge wait times uh for for things and and you you know you have uh, what's that called where you like you know you dull it out? Sure, what's the word? Rationing. No. Where you have rationing, and and the thing is, I'm already having to wait two months to get my Vader mask. That's rationing. I'm already in yeah. rationing, and I have really good <laughs> hashtag. Give Aaron the Vader mask. <laughs> yeah, I have really good health insurance. Yeah. So like. We're already in the rationing. Shut up. Like I remember. So I switched uh, health insurance this year and I called like January 3rd or whatever. You know, the insurance started January 1st. And I was like, when can I when like I want to schedule an appointment? When can you get me in? And they're like, huh, March, maybe we should debate our plans. Seriously. (laughs) (sighs) It's already here. It's already here. So Bernie Sanders. This Okay, back to what else? I'm all over the place. Sorry. Um, yeah. <laughs> Bernie Sanders is collecting Trekkies. That's what he's doing. I mm. figured it out. Like as a hobby? I think, no, I just think it's his, his uh, barometer is attuned to Trekkies. Like the people that he wants to accrete around his orbit. Like he, that's what he's selecting for, you know, like he's like a, 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 a beautiful botanist trying to create, just a fantastic new breed of zucchini mm-hmm. and like the trait that is his marker for everything else is like the number one trait I'm looking for is I gotta be a Trekkie. Mm. So like everyone in his orbit, like I'm finding all these people that are Trekkies and it's just super cool because. And we can do it. We can provide healthcare to all. of. Them. All right. That's basically a Star Trek soundtrack in the background. <laughs> it kind right? of is. See, this is this is his unifying Bay, theme. The final I, frontier. <laughs> are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. <laughs> oh, it's like that's what it is. And you know what? I'm I'm so here for it. A mm-hmm. hundred years ago, women didn't have the right to vote. <laughs> Speaking of a hundred years ago, you said something about fraternities. I did. Um, so have you heard anything related to the, um, I am not totally sure the background behind this, but there was quite a, um, 
I don't want to say a kerfluffle, but I can't think of a better word. But at Swartzmore yes, um, there were controversy. A controversy is indeed the correct word. Um, we got him. There were um, some documents, internal documents from some fraternities. Do I on look campus. like I know what a JPEG is? <laughs> documents. That's a JPEG. Sorry. Go ahead. So they le- leak. Uh, there were some documents from uh, the uh, Phi Psi. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Um, Science fiction. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Sci-fi fraternity. Oh, that's that's Bernie Sanders. This group, the sci-fi fraternity. (laughs) 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 Sorry. Um, Swarthmore College. Swarthmore. Yeah, it says um, the Trovo files included minutes detailing graphic sexual encounters with female students, listing of hazing challenges and intimate videos and photographs of women that appear to have been taken without their consent. So they quite a stir on campus and um college students actually ended up occupying some of the fraternity houses which is dude pro level move cool. that's yeah. cool <laughs> um but the decision was made uh yesterday that swarthmore college um has banned all fraternities and sororities entirely and um i think you might have some memory <laughs> <laughs> God. that's so that's that's the move yeah because i mean we hear i feel like we hear every year or so about some fraternity that did something terrible and then the fraternity gets kicked off of campus for like a few years or whatever mm. um and to me it's clear that there's this sort of pattern um yeah in greek life in fraternities in particular but i've also never liked fraternities and sororities in general because of what they represent which is essentially um elitism and access and um you know like um so the whole promise i think of a fraternity um is that you'll like meet people and then you'll be able to do the sort of secret handshake and and move up sort of faster right because you'll know people and that to me is just completely wrong not how it's supposed to work it's like the anti-meritocracy. Yeah, it's basically the the opposite of how it's you know supposed to be. So it's like, and it has the advantage of uh, having things like what I'm reading from this article: a uh, rape addict attic and a rape tunnel. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. 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 Totally. Yeah. Great. Totally, totally normal great things thing. to have in your club. Yeah. So I think that Swarthmore can do this because they don't have that many fraternities and sororities. And also, apparently, they own the houses and lease them to the fraternities. Um, at a college like where I went to school, this would be difficult. They could kick them off campus, but the uh, fraternities and sororities own their own houses, which are palatial, by the way. Mm-hmm. And um, and also, there are just too many of them that it would probably not work very well i guess and then you have um universities like miami university in oxford ohio where most people who are enrolled are in a fraternity or sorority because that's kind of one of the universities where a lot of fraternities has had started so but i don't know it seems to me that they've I don't know what the heck the original purpose of a fraternity or sorority was, but I feel like whatever they're doing now is probably not what the purpose of them originally was. And I feel like it um, does not contribute positively to society. And I don't think we need them going in. There's always this. uh, 
I'm just saying like I'm fine line. There's a fine line between having like a supportive group, uh, you know, like to, uh, yeah, to like help you. And then an exclusive and evil, uh, right. I out, think that like would, out people like, what, what is it like exclusionary kind of a thing? Like, yeah. Right. I think, you know, they were meant to be sort of, um, like social organizations. There's <laughs> just why. Well, that too. Yeah. But, um, yeah, and then they sort of they've developed this. You know, it even says on Wikipedia here: um, most fraternities share five common elements: secrecy, single sex membership, selection of new members based on vetting and probationary process known as rushing and pledging ownership and occupancy of a residential property, a set of complex identification symbols that may include Greek letters, armorial achievements, ciphers, badges, grips, hand signs, passwords, flowers, and colors. So, like, it's just, I don't know. It's, they're like, it's they're like the capitalist equivalent of a guild. or A, a little bit, yeah. Or I mean, a, that is sort of, yeah. Union, it's, you know what I mean? <laughs> right, they're meant to fulfill the sort of same purpose, right? Like, back in you know, the 1600s in London, if you wanted to be a butcher or a fishmonger, you had to be a member of the guild. You had to get into the guild. You have to had to know the right people to, like, sponsor you into the guild or whatever. And that's kind of fraternities sort of kind of act like that in a lot of ways. But just for, like, spoiled, rich white kids. But like, yeah. Well, I mean, maybe it's important to know that there are, like, black fraternities. You know what I mean? Right that that's like a big part of like historically black uh colleges yeah universities. It, it like definitely seems to be that the most problematic fraternities are predominantly white fraternities right so, so maybe those are the ones we just to start getting rid of all of those by so what the, the plan is how do we do that how do we so you like you said like you they don't own the the palatial mansions well, or anything i have a couple ideas um, because right now I'm dealing with a huge problem. Our, our backyard has become overrun with mm. a varmint known as a ground squirrel. Oh, these are like, uh, as opposed to the, uh, air and sea squirrels. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the wind squirrels, right. the, the, the squirrels have control over land, sea and air. <laughs> <laughs> They're ground horses. <laughs> <laughs> they they are one of the most invasive uh animals like they breathe like nobody's business mm -hmm. and they're almost they'll eat anything they're like really impossible to do so we have like a special trapper who's like regularly setting traps and coming in every day to get them trapper we've captured we've had this for two days and we've captured so far i think 13 Mm -hmm. like that's oh, a lot i'm sorry i had to read because i'm like ground squirrel isn't that just a squirrel but no in fact it says uh ground squirrels generally live on the ground rather than trees so i'm used to a i guess a tree squirrel <laughs> yeah and they, they those are what burrow, we have around here tree they squirrel. burrow into the ground like gophers oh these like invent like really don't they know that's big... not their thing they need to stay in their lane <laughs> well that's why they're so bad because they like they do it all like they can climb a tree they can get them they can get into your they'll get into your car and like eat the wires oh yeah i've definitely like, seen <laughs> it's super bad they tear everything up they eat everything so basically i think what we should do is like take all these ground squirrels and like 
putting them in the mansions, in the sorority houses, in the, you know, put them on those properties. Because they also let them. They also carry diseases and mites and things like that. So that could help. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, we need a new plague. Just unleash the squirrels. (laughs) squirrels. I'm sure the squirrels don't like these people either. Yeah. No, as soon as it listen, they wake up one one morning and they find that there's like squirrel burrows everywhere. Mm-hmm. Everything's eaten and they'll just wake up and these like little sissy fraternity boys will be like <laughs> puking slash fighting everywhere. Yeah. It, know, it's funny that you mentioned squirrels eating car wires because that's actually a concern is that in the move away from using certain um chemicals as insulators for car wires like pvc mm-hmm. um i guess they found that some of these new materials for insulation that they've been using are like tasty yeah basically <laughs> oh, they've they've made them like very appealing to varmints yeah. it's wow. uh yeah i'm going to put an I article in the show notes i keep see i keep saying wow I, but I have a robot to do that for me. That sounds right. Better. You don't have wow. to do that. <laughs> I don't have to. Why Let the I wow robot do it. Gosh, it's me, Mario. <laughs> Did we hit that at the same time? Yes. That's so good. <laughs> uh. Okay, um, so... So they need spicy, spicy wires. We do, yes. We should be putting uh, pepper into it, apparently. Um, so, so water. Uh, yes. Yes. I, we've water discussed um, how we are um, both now SodaStream users. Ooh! How cats. is that going? It's good. I think I'm getting close to maybe needing to exchange my cylinder, so... We'll see. My answer is something called science. Yeah, exactly. You do, but, that's how you do it. Right. You just science it. Yeah. Um, I, I understand if I sort of blow into it, that will refill it with CO2. <laughs> you, you, just have to have blow, to... you have to blow real hard. <laughs> for a, for a quite a long period <gasps> of time. <laughs> Where does the air... Does the... Now, in order to do that, Andrew, does the air have to come... I, I, my, my uneducated... Uh, idea here is there uh, nose uh, air won't do it because nose air for you uh, nose air is just coming in going into your lungs it's just like a very small loop you're gonna need to be pulling that air from somewhere else well far no i have to i have to i have to like inhale and then exhale into the bottle you know hmm because it's co2 yeah gotcha yeah anyway um it turns out that um, sparkling water is um, not punk, as it turns out. Whoa. It's very lame, it's very lame and only lame wads drink sparkling water. <laughs> lame wads? Because what punks now drink is liquid death, which is um, <gasps> liquid canned, death. canned still water. <laughs> it's called liquid death mountain water. Murder your thirst. <laughs> Murder your thirst. Yeah, um, and this is supposed to be 
This is supposed to be water for straight edge people. Uh, Dope. <laughs> and I feel like it's just incredibly embarrassing and very toxic masculinity. Dude, edge people. Sorry, on, that's, a diff- that's a different set. Sorry. Sourced and bottled in majestic mountains. Liquid death mountain water will murder your thirst. Oh, that dropped. Yeah, that's. Jeez. It's animated, but it's quite gory. My word. That's what I think about that idea. I sent this. I saw this, and I and I sent the the like little thing about Liquid Death to a friend who's like into like the he's like in like the hardcore scene. So he's mm-hmm. he's like straight edge adjacent, right? And he got so mad. He got so mad that he just wouldn't talk about it. I like, feel like it's a complete misreading. <laughs> <laughs> it's so one one point six million to do this. Uh, yeah, uh, seed funding. Yeah. Led by, led by Science Inc. My answer oh. is something called science. <laughs> so there you go. Um, and staying on toxic masculinity for a moment, there's also a new brand of makeup for men called War Paint. <laughs> because um, <laughs> it's important that as a man, you don't use girly makeup that will turn you into a woman. What the hell kind of country is this where I can only hate a man if he <laughs> if yeah. he's toxic masculinity? Yeah, makeup. you know, it might turn you into some kind of a feminist or something. So it's important that you instead use war paint. What are you turning into some kind of feminist? <laughs> yeah, That's so um, dumb. And the in the Vox article I've linked, if you scroll down, it seems interesting. They've apparently taken down um, the video that they put up on Twitter, but there's a instagram image here and it's a guy who is um kind of outrageously um what fit trim he's he's cut he's cut yeah he has um a frankly ridiculous bulge going on and he's very tattooed and he's applying makeup to himself and it's um i don't know i don't know we don't i don't know that we need to brand is it makeup? makeup for men in this way? Is it video? I'm not. Well, it's not. It is literal makeup. I mean, they have concealer. They have bronzer. They have foundation. They give you a brush. Oh, no. I saw the bulge. I clicked. I You told me that I was going to see a bulge. Isn't now, that just. There's got to be. That's got to be like a sock stuffed in there. There was a guy in high school named Ryan. And I'm not going to say his last name, but you guys who went to high school with me know who this is. Okay and his locker was next to mine we played football together and he used to every day before football practice this is the thing that really gets me before football and before a game he would stuff his jock strap with a sock he'd roll mm. up the sock and put mm. it in there and i thought who's this for yeah who no like who's he the other football players like the coaches there's like, I mean, there's some people around, like, I, I mean, at, at least he was, oh, now this war paint is upsetting. This last picture of the guy with the beat, with the culturally appropriated beads mm-hmm. and the mustache and the diamond studded earrings is wearing. Now this does look like war paint. 
and it looks yeah. racist. But I also that's feel like that's not thing. how you're meant to actually wear makeup. I mean, I don't know. I'm not telling anybody how to paint their face. That's um, if this is what you want it. But he, I don't know. Maybe this I do want to read this quote from the Vox article about the video that they've now taken down. It says, The 13-second ad featured a heavily tattooed white man using various war paint products, flexing his pecs, and topping it all off by putting on a large skull ring. One thing it does not show very clearly is how the makeup looks on the guy's face. <laughs> Which is the point? I don't know. I guess my ultimate point here is that if you're a man and you're looking for cosmetics, there are many other better brands <laughs> that are probably cheaper too. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. The the it's best really part is the skull ring. Yeah. <laughs> the same yeah, the friend that I ring, yeah. the same friend that I sent the the. I just like are they going to sell this at Bass Pro Shops instead of Sephora? <laughs> the same, the same, the same guy that I send the Liquid Death uh water stuff too mm-hmm. he like regularly just like you know like maybe once or twice a week will send me instagram pictures of like guys with like big chunky skull rings and stuff like that it's very ga- like, gaudy isn't it <laughs> it's like a thing it's like a whole culture mm-hmm. yeah i don't know i don't get it i don't get it it doesn't work for me at all. <laughs> it does it just doesn't work period yeah um, um go ahead go ahead oh, i have talk. two i have two more items on the list Ooh, uh, this is a sort of historical item maybe we need to make a segment out of, of like interesting historical things the segment uh, well like we need like a like a separate theme sort of music like history history <laughs> i have no idea how to history <laughs> so um, the year is 1989. Mm. Um, things are happening in the Soviet Union and in the Eastern Bloc in general. People I, are yes. restless. Um, they're, the Soviet Union's economy is basically imploding. Um, and so is all of its political support. People want out. In particular, um, one of the, or, one of the handfuls of places that wanted out in particular was the Baltic states, um, Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania, which had been annexed by the Soviet Union in World War II. Um, mm. They weren't originally part of it, and they never really felt a part of it to begin with. Um, right. So they had started to agitate for independence. Um, they were like the stepchildren caught in the middle of this whole situation. A little bit, yeah. They're right. They're yeah, there's just sort of a long for the ride and they want to get out of the car now. So, um, yeah. So you have these, um, Baltic folks who really want to not be part of the, um, the Soviet union anymore. And mostly they had not been getting, um, you know, any results really. Um, not that they were being um, put down like the Soviets would have previously done in like Hungary or Czechoslovakia. But I mean, what are they going to do in, you know, those little tiny places in comparison to Russia? Right. Yeah. So um, one of the things that they decide to do to sort of raise awareness is have a political demonstration, which ends up being called the Baltic Way or the Baltic Chain. And what they do is they form a human chain. So it's basically just is a bunch of people like, holding like hands. The Milky Way, the Baltic the, Way, the Baltic Way. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> Baltic chain. Yeah. So about two million people um, 
got together and held hands across um, 419 miles across Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania. And um, I just think that that's really neat. That's it's quite a lot of coordination required and kind of mind boggling to just have a line of humans that stretches for 400 miles. That's a long way. It's, <laughs> it's a very long way. And it basically connected the three capitals of Estonia, Latvia, that's, and Lithuania. That's insane. Like the coordination. This is how did they do this before? Like the internet or uh, they carried portable radios. Whoa. Um, like not radios talkies? that transmitted just like radios. And then, you know, the announcers over the radios would, I guess, tell them, <laughs> you know, come on the Whoa. Lithuanian radio and say everyone should meet up, you know. Wow. Like, we'll begin forming up whenever. Yeah. So That's it's very cool. interesting. It was a spectacle and it, it did um, what it needed to do. It, it, it raised awareness of this. And, um, you know, so this was this happened on the 23rd of August in 1989. and um, the independence of the Baltic states happened not too shortly after in um, 11th of March, 1990 is when Lithuania declared independence. It was the first of the Baltic states. And the 23rd of August is only um, a couple months before the fall of the Berlin Wall. So this is really one of the events leading up to the fall of communism in That's Europe. That's crazy. This yeah. reminds me. This reminds me of something that happens w- with. Um, you familiar with a Zay Frank, Hosea Frank? I am. Zay Frank had like a daily video blog in the day, and he had a challenge in two two thousand six. I think it was. Basically, what he did was he's like, I've made a an app that will tell you your exact opposite place on the globe. Mm-hmm from where you are and i yeah. want you to Antipody. put a piece a piece of bread on the ground on each side oh i remember you, this yeah you had make to coordinate you make an earth sandwich yeah <laughs> that's like but they had like the internet to do that right these people yeah. just man that's so cool so that would be the antipodes um oh look at you called. the unfortunate <laughs> thing is that for most oh, of north no. america the uh, antipode is just the middle of the Indian Ocean, basically. So, not useful. You could get somewhere in Brazil and then Japan, it looks like, or somewhere in like Venezuela um, and Indonesia. I think where they ended up, uh, as I recall, was New Zealand and Spain. Yeah, I think there's yeah. something like that. So, man, that's pretty cool. People, people do cool, people can do cool stuff. Like, whenever someone tells you, that this is impossible or unworkable. We can't do like climate change. We can't do anything about man. They, they lined up 400 miles of people holding hands before the internet. They made, we made earth sandwiches. Okay. <laughs> we can do amazing things. Human beings are amazing and we can do amazing stuff. Mm-hmm. Stop being a wiener. Okay. <laughs> no, no wieners. <laughs> Unless I, I mean, no maybe wiener. I mean, I don't want a wiener shame. Sorry. But. This is not some type of utopian dream. <laughs> now I'm making up for it. We're just doing more segments. Every little We're doing thing a ton segment. of segments. All segments. Um, <laughs> There's like eight segments this show. 
Yeah, this is my final thing. Keeping on the theme of um, Eastern Bloc countries in the 1980s, uh, HBO has a new miniseries about the Chernobyl disaster. You're like the fourth person in like 48 hours to bring this to my attention. I think that's what I'm doing today. uh, The first episode has been released. Um, uh, I believe it's released every Monday. um, And it's really good. Um, Very high um, tension, the whole thing. Um, it also taught, you know, it really communicates how, um, both the incompetence and the sort of refusal to acknowledge that something seriously bad might've happened, um, yeah. because they don't want to have to think about the consequences of it. And then just, um, I think good depictions of, you know, um, the effects of radiation and stuff, especially, you know, acute radiation for like the first responders and all that. It was very interesting, especially, for someone like me who I've read a lot about Chernobyl and sort of know how it unfolded, I thought this it was is very, very much in your good. This is something I, this podcast is great because I'm like <laughs> learning so many things. Like, this is a thing for you. It is, like, yeah. Into this air. Is it, is it the time period, the geography? What is it? Um, I think this is, I'm sort of interested in, um, I have a passing interest in like nuclear accidents, I guess, in a weird okay. way. Okay. Um, and then sort of, separately, I have a passing, sort of separately, I have a passing interest in the history of the Cold War. And this kind of intersects, okay. I guess, here. So, okay. yeah. yeah. Yep. That's, I'm t- put it on downloading it now mm-hmm. from my completely legal HBO, uh, what's it called? HBO something, Go which I, Definitely, definitely have 100% pay for (laughs) knowledge. Um, so yeah, so I I recommend that. (laughs) I'm gonna watch it. I'm sorry, I just got crazy on the trigger. You're getting a little, (laughs) get a little excited. (laughs) (laughs) Um, last, last but not least, um, something I've been thinking about, and I, I keep, I keep. I keep meeting to like write up something about this because I know that people really care about what I think and will actually. I have a feeling for attention. why you might find it difficult to write something about this up. I, <laughs> uh, I'm the thing is I'm starting to feel it's well. Let's first let's recognize that it's like very popular and like a very like almost it's become like trite for people mm-hmm. to be like. I'm quitting social media. No, I never liked Facebook. I never I thought never, it was funny. I never liked Facebook. It's bad. Yeah. Facebook I mean, even even bad. the co-founder, one of the co-founders wrote an op-ed that was like, Facebook should be broken up. So yeah, it's very much a popular position to have. Yeah, but I'm, the thing is. I don't think that means it's bad to have that position. So like, I. I've unless been, you want to, unless you want to be like punk and be like, actually, I love Facebook. <laughs> Is that the pop position or the punk position now? Is to be like I don't think Facebook that's how is punk great. Works. <laughs> Actually, I don't. That's that's, that's just, just the contrarian position. Yeah, the thing the thing is, like, I was I've always been kind of uh, not fully on board with like the anti-social media stuff. Um, like, I know it's terrible and it rots our brains. That's like for sure true. But I've just like always felt like it's just a bit much to be like, I'm quitting and I'm cutting off all my contact with all these people. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I feel like it's like a privileged position, you know, like yeah. for certain people, it's not really a much of an option. Right. So it's like cool that you get to do that and you're not going to suffer really any big consequences. Yeah, I did. There were two um, people, CGP Gray and um, John Green, who sort of recently were like, I'm leaving like social media for a year or whatever. And it's like, I thought that it was rather performative or something. I don't know. It felt like a particular kind of privilege to say like, I can leave social media and not worry about, you know, losing connections or, you know, whatever. Yeah. 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 That's that. And that's what, that's what I thought too. But recently I've started thinking about it in a different way. And this has been, this has been the, the in, this is the, the, the way that the virus got into my system. Hmm. And now I'm pretty sure I'm going to quit. Like if, if not just Facebook, most social media, Mm -hmm. um, but particularly Facebook and like Instagram too, because they share this thing in common. I feel like I'm, I'm working for free. Mm -hmm. It's uncompensated labor. And I'm not going to do that. Like I, I just realized the, the thing I guess that, what what would you how would you define the work that you're doing the product that you're producing in this case I guess right so I mean I'm producing content so I've always been of the opinion and I've always felt like the thing that I like most about social media is reading people's unmitigated or not um uh like unfiltered like opinions about things like. Uh, the like content that's genuine directly from people. I love uh, the community aspect where you can. So I used to do something called a question of the day on Facebook. And I sometimes did it on Twitter, but mostly just on Facebook. Right. Mm -hmm. And my question of the day, I just, every morning I'd come up with a question and I'd spend like a lot of time, like, throughout my day thinking about good questions thinking about even like subtle themes that i that i thought would like really open up to cool stories and stuff because like right i get I'm like i think social media and just in general like we can have more interesting conversations than just like the rote instinctive retweet uh, mm-hmm. reshare like kind of stuff so that's like what i wanted to get people out of and so i would do that and for a while i got like tons of traction on it you know like i got lots of people who weren't like following me or who weren't my friends like talking about it was like a cool thing it created all this what they would call engagement right uh-huh. Uh-huh. and that now i didn't think about this at the time but that creates ad revenue for the platforms. Yeah. I mean, that's what they operate off of is, is being able to take your content, show it to other people. And yeah. Have it sort of self-sustain. Yeah. And I started doing that with questions of the day. And then I noticed that after a while, Facebook's algorithm started doing something where they're like, nah, we don't care about this anymore. And we're not going to really show it in people's timelines. And we're not, we're going to obfuscate it we don't want this kind of thing on our platform. We just rather have people like 
resharing violent anti-Muslim memes. So yeah. <laughs> so like I stopped getting trapped. I mean, maybe, <laughs> maybe my questions got worse. I don't know. And then I, I started also engaging in political stuff because I had like a real genuine concern about what was going on on social media and like the, the discourse about political stuff. And I felt like I was in a particular position of having a lot of um, crossing over of conservative and liberal and left and right and, uh, you know, rich, yeah, poor. You, like, you know, a lot of people from both sides of the Yeah. Audience. So, so I would like share my opinions and things like that and try to really engage, like do things that would get people to talk and get people to argue. Um, and that like had a lot of really cool, interesting things and then facebook was like nah we don't want this either this is getting in the way of uh the scraped uh vines that we're stealing from people and resharing so like let's <laughs> let's let's get that out of the way so like i was putting all this work into creating thoughtful posts and questions and pictures and pulling quotes and news articles and comments and then so i was like well let, i'll make a group Maybe that's what I'll do because everyone in the group is going to see all that. And then that for a while and that went pretty, you were in that group. I still am. Yeah. Well, I still are. it's called brain town, which I, you know, really had fun with and it was an Dude. experiment, but then it kind of petered out too. And I realized like I was putting all this time and energy into it to, that was labor. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I wasn't, getting anything out of it of equal measure you know it wasn't i wasn't getting compensated for it yeah there are 93 people in the group and definitely less than 93 greatly less than 93 like interact with anything that gets posted or they made interact but they're not creating anything they're not posting anything they're not they're not putting any content in there Right. There's I maybe a single digit number of posts from people other than you or me. Yeah. And so that that kind of started to make me realize that like most of the internet, especially in social media, especially on the big platforms like Facebook and Instagram, and to a certain extent Twitter too, <clears throat> are people resharing things that other people have created. Yeah. So their extent, they're essentially getting, like, they're renting out your your creation. Like, uh, say I'm I I manufactured a car. I'm a factory worker. And I made a car for for this company, and they just keep renting it out. But I don't get paid for any of those times. Like, it's like if uh, I was an actor in a show and I didn't get any. What are those called? Um, res- um. <clears throat> I can't think of the term, but it's like when you keep, you keep, you get paid for every time that show airs. Right. So like, but there, but I don't get anything. Out, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I, I'm literally, I'm a meme. Okay. Yeah. Google nerd residuals. Yeah. That's what's good. Residuals. I'm a meme on the internet and every once in a while, my meme face, my nerd face gets, uh, recycled into another meme and then it goes everywhere and everyone's like, Oh my gosh, it's you. Oh my gosh. And I get my text messages and my DMS. They all get blown up. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's just basically 
being taken advantage of. <laughs> yeah. It's uncompensated labor. And yeah. I'm not cool with it. Right. It, it's um interesting. I don't know. You know, there's been a, a pretty big conversation lately about what Facebook is doing with your data and whether it's oh, whether yeah. Facebook is beneficial to society or not. And um I've always felt kind of weird about Facebook. I don't I don't want to be like the oh I never thought Facebook was good. But you know, <laughs> even when I first joined Facebook, I was like, I don't know about this. You know, I was kind of late to it for people my age, friends that I had, you know, so um I don't know. I've definitely lately have started thinking more and more that like, I don't know that this is doing anything for me, yeah. um, you know, positively. I think it, it definitely, I can definitely point to a lot of instances where Facebook has um, hurt my mental health just through like, you know, the, the stuff that people post, a lot of folks post performatively or stuff like that, or even me just comparing myself to this, you know, the people that, I see on Facebook or, or Instagram or whatever, and then feeling bad yeah. for myself. Like it's well, just there's, not. There's that. Healthy. And then there's also like really traumatic things that get broadcast, you know, that like is in subtle ways. It's almost like a, like a micro trauma, maybe, you know what I mean? But it's like the, the repetition of that micro trauma, like really builds up. I think, you know, yeah. constantly seeing like there's a, even if it is important, like this, a picture of some terrible tragedy, and you're just constantly a barrage of pictures of a of a burning uh, building, you know, like or a, a, a some terrorist or so. You know what I mean? Like, right? Just keep seeing these yeah. pictures. Yeah, it over just sort of amplifies over. the worst things whenever they happen. Yeah, and that can't be good for your mental health. And you get the you get the um, typical thing of when something bad happens, and someone goes, "We should do something about this," and then someone else goes, "Yes, we should do something about this." And then it's and just someone's like, people no, going, we, we should do and something like, about this. <gasps> You're canceled. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but so, it's like nothing happens of it. It doesn't come. In, yeah. Right. So. um, I don't know. I thought it was interesting. The Daily had an interview with um, the co-founder of Facebook, whose name escapes me at the moment, who wrote Chris this, Hedges, um, I think. Yeah. Right? right. And he was making the argument that um, it's kind of an antitrust issue. Because there isn't really a competitor to Facebook, mm -hmm. which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, it is kind of the one website. And you can say, well, anybody can make a website, you know, that competes with Facebook. And that's true, but it won't necessarily like the barrier to entry is obviously very high for this yeah. sort of thing. So yeah. um Well, like I most know, antitrust guess, things, it's true up to a certain point. But like right. once you have not regulated something for a long time and they've built up all of this power to exclude everything else, then yeah, that, that becomes a problem. Yeah. I think, you know, I, it's not that I dislike, um, Facebook any more than I used to. It's just that I just sort of keep adding new aspects or new reasons why I dislike Facebook. You know, at first it was yeah. like, well, like it's not a very good website. And I was like, well, I'm worried about what they're doing with my data. And I was like, well, their response to, um, you know, like far right or radicalizing content is bad. And it's like, well, uh, Mark Zuckerberg seems kind of incompetent. It's like, well, there's also antitrust concerns and all this stuff. And it's like, I don't <laughs> know. At this point, I'm just like, when am I going to hit the delete button? 
Yeah. So I'm pretty sure within the next couple of weeks, I'm, I'm going to be out of there. I, yeah. I keep waiting to like write something to explain it to people as like my last, like, there you go. Maybe I shouldn't. I don't yeah, know. Maybe I don't know. I worry that I'm going to lose something by not being on Facebook, but I don't know what that would be. <laughs> To me, there's definite drawbacks because especially like in my cultural, economic, social situation, I'm kind of an, I'm like on the outside of a lot of things. Like almost all of my like friends and acquaintances are married. Mm -hmm. So like I'm not around them that, you know, they're, they have their own family. Um, right. So that kind of excludes me. They live somewhere else. That kind of excludes me from being able to interact with them somewhere else. They, you know, there's just all these little kind of things that make it to where, I mean, these social media platforms are a convenient way to keep up with what's going on in their lives. But um, to, if I'm honest, like when's the last time we actually had a meaningful interaction? Like yeah. I see a picture of their kid and I like it and I know what's going on in their life, but does that, lead to anything else mm. i mean uh, i really i don't know i don't know the the last thing that i'd want to bring up about this is is i'm reading a, a book called antifa the anti-fascist handbook by mark bray antifa antifa it's it's really interesting and i would highly recommend it for basically anybody what no matter what you think about the mm -hmm. subject um but he brings up this really interesting point because he's talking about like the objections that people have to how Antifa like deplatforms people, tries to like limit their their ability to reach an audience, right? That's like one thing that anti-fascist movements do. Mm -hmm. And you know, he's talking about the objections of that. And so he gets in the subject of free speech and he says something really interesting that when I read it, I was like, oh, this is like directly links with what I've been thinking about Facebook and social media. He says, free speech is often likened to a marketplace of ideas. This marketplace metaphor was popularized in the United States in the early 20th century by the Supreme Court Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes, who argued that truth could best be promoted by a free trade in ideas. In fact, the marketplace metaphor perfectly describes the power dynamics of free speech in a capitalist society, though not in the way that its proponents intended. Multinational corporations aspiring toward monopolistic control of capital and information establish the general confines in which the vast majority of, human, or of humanity sell their labor and articulate their speech. So... You're already not, there's no free market, like it's controlled or it is a market and it's been seized. The right. market of commodities is inseparable from the market of ideas, since ideas are commodified along with everything else in capitalist society. All non-incarcerated citizens may have an equal right to literally speak, but the ability to make that speech heard and make it matter is highly stratified. Support mm -hmm. for campaign campaign finance reform and opposition to Citizens United ruling by the Supreme Court show how many American liberals agree about the conflict between free speech and big money. And it's like the same the same idea, you know, the, the famous saying in capitalism, every man is free to to sleep under a river and starve. 
Like mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> you, you're fr- just because you have the freedom to do something doesn't mean you actually have the like ability or liberty of doing it. Yeah. So in, in this situation where speech has been commodified and, you know, corporations in this case, Facebook control the platform by which you would speak, <laughs> then you don't have, you don't really have free speech. Right. Yeah. I mean, you have it's, it in theory. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. This is kind of why like deplatforming works, I guess. Yeah. It's kind of for the same reason. But yeah, it's because you're you, controlling the platform. You're not controlling that person's right. Right. But you are <laughs> kicking them off and say, well, not here because yeah. you do that. Yeah. The, the market. So. So, I mean, and I know there's like nuance here. I get that. Like, I, I'm not like 100% sold on, you know, I'm not a free speech absolutist, but I'm also not a screw free speech let's deal with other like you know what i mean i think there's nuance there but that idea really struck me as that is the problem with social media is that we've let these people basically control the market of speech Mm -hmm. and i'm not i'm not not into that like and and they control the market and they're paying slave wages or no wages at all like well i guess that's slave wages but you know what i mean like they're only paying you enough to keep you there. Right. And yeah. and like I have the ability right now to opt out. So, I don't know. I'm thinking very seriously about it. Yeah, me too. So, maybe maybe this podcast in, you know, a week's time will be the only place you can hear. You yeah. can hear from either of us. Right. So, if you want to provide feedback to us, um ah write me a letter i don't i'll probably stay on twitter i don't know mm-hmm. why is that why is that why is twitter hmm. i don't know i feel like it feels like less work okay that is for sure true yeah because there's only so much that you can um you know you only have so many characters even so I'm not competing with like videos and pictures really yeah, I mean, there are definitely people that take Twitter way too seriously, but I think, you know, especially when tweets are moving down the timeline real fast, like no one's going to see your tweet for more than five seconds or whatever. So, and I think that's the note we want to leave on that, you know, nobody's really paying attention to you. Nobody cares. <laughs> it's no big deal. Yes. Yes. And. I have no idea what I'm doing I was not prepared for this I'm trying and I'm learning Thank you for your patience There's so many mistakes I have already made But I'm working to be better day by day And I think I'm gonna make it But for now I'll say I have no 